Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Hey, so that was a recap video that, um, so we went to retreat, you saw the dates up there early part of November, and we, took, we uh, had the privilege of combining with a church in Aurora called One Life Church, really good friends of ours. We've been doing ministry with these folks for a long time, John and Joanna Bramberg, they go to One Life. Um, and so we got the privilege of going with them on a retreat down to Ponderosa, which is down south of here. And so um, it was just a lot of fun. And that was just a recap video put together by our own Cameron right there. Um, so so that was pretty cool. We just wanted to give you a flavor of retreat. So before I get started, um, my wife leaned over and whispered to me, Craig, it's your fault that, so I had to throw that in there because the husband, you should always start sentences with, it's your fault. I mean, not your fault, it's my fault um, that she forgot announcements because before, in between services, I said, Leah, you talk too long <laughs> as a joke, but so she forgot one. So here's the announcement that very important. Right? Um, if you can stay for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, we would love your help. Uh, we're going to set up uh, our Christmas decorations in the sanctuary uh, for youth. If you want to help us, we're going to do it in our youth room. Uh, we're going to get some boxes down. They're in the drum cage. There's a couple of stuff up there. We're going to set up trees, and that's pretty much it. And then we'll decorate as the week goes by. But we could use some help just setting up trees and getting boxes down probably in the reverse order, getting boxes down and setting up trees. And then, so if you could stay for 15, 20 minutes, that would really be helpful. And so we appreciate that. Thanks, honey. You're welcome, babe. Uh, all right. Again, it was my fault. Hi, Noah. I like to walk and recognize people as they walk in. Because <laughs> that's what youth does. Do, does. All right. Hey, so um, like we said, the retreat was uh, just a great time. And we, we wanted to give you a flavor of what happens at retreat. So it just happens that Pastor Bob and Gabe um, uh, had a chance to get a, away for a week. And so he always asked on the staff who wants to preach. And I offered the idea of giving a message about retreat, not really about retreat per se, but kind of along the lines of what we talked about at retreat, and he thought that was a great idea, and, and so I've always loved the privilege of standing up here before you. And every time I do that, my prayer always, always is that you don't focus on me, you focus on what the Lord is doing in your heart, and what the Lord's message is for you. So that's really my prayer always, um, so I want that to be. I, I say it a lot, that I want a mirror in front of me, because I want to preach to me also. And this message in particular... God gave me really as a ministry to my heart and along with the kids at retreat. So let me tell you a little bit about retreat, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a high school retreat. Okay, besides you young people, because I know you have, right? So now I've dubbed you all high schoolers, okay? So now you get to be high schooler types. So if you have candy, eat that, um, um, but what I really need is, if something speaks to you, I just need you to yell amen, hallelujah, something. I need to know that you're alive and, and kicking out there and God is speaking to you. So that would really be great. So let me tell you about retreat. We, uh, it's a full-blown two and a half days of God-centered time. So we get there on Friday night, and like you saw the picture, there was roughly 50-plus kids there and some leaders. Um, we get there on Friday night. We have a full service on Friday night. And um, along with that service, it, it comes with worship, it comes with a message, it comes with more worship, um, and then response time and prayer. Our, our title, as you saw in um, the video, was Shattered. 
So Leah and I met with the youth pastor at One Life Church, and we've been talking with her for a long time, four months or so prior to this, about what we want to do. And the idea of shattered came to our mind. The idea that life is hard sometimes, and we're going to talk a little bit later about that, but the idea that God is in the business of putting us back together or dealing with some of the stuff in our lives. So we talked about the idea of shattered. So Danny, the other youth pastor, preached on Friday night the idea of the original sin, right? We all know the story of the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve failed, right? You can blame one or the other. It doesn't matter to me. But we all suffered from their consequence of the original sin. And so the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of the original sin, then we all have to suffer from the consequence. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is eternal life. So that was Friday night. It was all about the message of Jesus. It was all about teaching that Jesus came to restore us from our original problem and to restore our relationship with him. And so then we also, we spend um, Friday night. Every kid that comes, they fill out, when they get there, they fill out a uh, who am I sheet, and we get to know that kid a little bit more. And then the youth pastors on Friday night starts at about 10 o'clock or 11, goes till 2, maybe sometimes midnight, depends how fast the Holy Spirit speaks to us, (laughs) or that we're listening, probably is a better way to say it, Um, is we, the youth pastors sit and we pray over those sheets, and we identify which small group that we want to put that child in or that student in. And we don't call it small groups. We call them rap groups. It's like small group on steroids. Uh, so it, it's designed specifically for 8 to 10 kids to just sit and focus on their relationship with Jesus. And so we have content, and we spend all day Saturday doing rap groups in um, various forms. We go to lunch. We have a little bit of free time in the afternoon. And then we have another big message and service on Saturday night um, that includes worship, a message. That's what I'm going to... I got the privilege to speak that message. That's what we're going to hear this morning because I think it's just... God just, just really has spoken to me about where we're all, where maybe where I'm at, but I think I've heard a lot of people say this also. And then Sunday morning, we have another big message, another big service, has worship and all of that. Bless you. Okay? So I want to give you an idea of the messages that we give. So the idea of shattered came to our mind because whether you know it or not, our students are under attack in the world today. They have a lot going on. Could be a lot in their own family situation. There's probably many of us that have either talked to a kid, have kids that have trouble at home. There's trouble in school, right? There's so much going after students today. I was talking with someone right outside of, the, uh, of this service, and we were talking about they're getting so bombarded with a lot of stuff. It's basically... The loudest voice wins sometimes in a kid's mind and a kid's heart. And they have a hard time deciphering and they're just getting attacked all over. And it can lead to some not so great things. So when we were talking about the idea of shattered, we really wanted to address some of this stuff. And so here is a couple of things that the Lord spoke to me. 
See, things happen to us that can beat us down. There's a verse in John 10.10 that says this. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So I think the enemy of our soul, the devil, is running a little rampant in society today. Maybe he has for a long time, but he's doing a very good job at stealing. Let's just talk about joy alone. But he's also doing a really good job at stealing a bunch of other things and putting a lot of things in our life that's there. And I'm not here to tell you that every bad thing that happens is the result of the enemy. Sometimes I'm the problem. Sometimes I make stupid decisions, right? And do stupid things, right? Maybe I'm the only one and all of you are like Moses and you're walking with God on Mount Sinai. I don't know, but maybe this message is for me. Thanks for the smile, Noah. That was awesome. So we got to this idea of shatter, John 10.10. But if we leave it right at John 10.10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that would be kind of miserable, right? But the next verse is really where it's at, or the next statement is really where it's at. I have come. Jesus is talking here. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what I want, right? That's what I want. Because we all know, the Bible says that in this life you will have trouble. But in spite of that trouble, I want this. I want to have life, and I want to have life to the full. I want to have life to the full. So let's say this clay pot represents us, right? If you've never heard me preach before, I come with stuff. (laughs) Sometimes I fall into the drum cage because of bad equipment or bad choices. I have to plug in something, so bear with me. I have to plug in a few things. You always know when you preach and you have to plug in something, some things are going to happen. But let's say this clay pot is us. And we do a really good job at maintaining life. But maybe I'm here to wonder and maybe here to think about maybe we're not really as put together as this. Always. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. I don't really know. I know in my life some things have happened. Oftentimes life comes at you with a hammer. Could be a kick in the butt or it could be a kick in the head. I don't know, but sometimes life comes at you with a hammer. Maybe when you're first born, you're pregnant for the first time and you're thinking it's a normal delivery, but all of a sudden he comes at 28 weeks gestation. And you're wondering, he weighs two pounds when he's born, and you're wondering whether or not he's going to live or die that night. Life comes at you as a hammer sometimes. Or maybe you're the one that has trying to get pregnant, and you can't get pregnant. And you're wondering why you can't get pregnant. Or maybe the one you got pregnant because God blessed you with a child, but then you miscarried. Life comes at you with a hammer sometimes. Or maybe you're having a relationship, right? Maybe you're in a marriage relationship and all of a sudden it ends after so many years. And you're trying to figure out why. What happened? What did I do? What what happened? I don't understand. So I have to figure that out. Life comes at you sometimes with a hammer. And I'm just wondering if 
we really were to think about it, our life looks more cracked. And then just like the video says, we're left with the question is, where's God? Where is God in the story? And we do a really good job, or at least a lot of us, maybe just me, we do a really good job at trying to put ourselves back together, whether we use tape or whether we use anything else. But I'm wondering if is in the next big hammer blow that we just keep falling apart. This is the message we're trying to teach our students, right? Because life comes at you sometimes. And what do we do and what are we left? I want what John 10.10 says, right? I want to recognize that there's an enemy of my soul, but I don't want to stay there. I want to go to the next one. And I want to have life in Jesus. And I want to have it to the full. I should have got an amen there. I don't know if you guys are sleeping or something. So if you're going to leave with one thing, remember this today. The more you glow... The more you know, the more you glow. Remember that. The more you know, the more you glow. And we're going to talk about that. So as we were talking about this, Lee and I were talking about this, the Lord led us to a verse in Isaiah. Really great verse, and you really have to study a little bit of, of, of the context of what it's in. But it comes from Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Yes, Yes, but it gets better. It gets better because this was a prophecy that Isaiah spoke seven centuries before Jesus showed up. And so when Jesus showed up, a lot of years later, he's teaching in the synagogues, look it up, as you should for everything that I say from here or anybody else says from here, you should look it up and do your own study. But in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is preaching in the synagogue and he quotes that scripture out of Isaiah 61. And then he makes this statement. And if you're excited about what the, what the prophet said about that, then you really should be excited of what Jesus said. And, well, I haven't even said it yet, so you can be excited. That was, a, that was a premature amen, but I'll take it. That's okay. Jesus says this. He quotes the scripture, and he says this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Thank you. A little delayed. It's okay. Take another sip of coffee if you're drinking coffee. (laughs) See, you thought you were free, but you're not. So that's great. I mean, that's just good news. So in our youth group all the time, we ask questions. We try to engage our students, and we try to ask them questions. And I'm always trying to get them to go deeper than Jesus, which is hilariously funny. But I'm always saying because Jesus is the answer to every good question in youth ministry. Well, maybe adult ministry too. But Jesus is the answer. But I'm always telling them, I don't want Jesus, which is weird. I don't want the answer to be Jesus. I want you to tell me more. But in this case, I'm up here telling you the answer is Jesus. 
Thank you, if you want. <laughs> so the Lord just really spoke to me. If it's that simple, I mean, you hear it all the time. Jesus is the answer. And if it's that simple, then why often do I crumble when the next hammer hits? Again, maybe it's me. And I don't want the huge roller coaster spiritual ride, right? I want the more flat, like progressing. I want to be like Jesus. So if Jesus is the answer, then I need to look a little bit further. I want to know more about this. So let's look at the Isaiah 61. The word brokenhearted, two words, right? Brokenhearted. What does it mean? It means weakened, crushed. Destroyed in spirit, feeling spiritually bankrupt, in need, helpless. Anybody? Yes, I think we can all maybe fit into one of them at some point in time. Again, if you were to stay there, that would be pretty defeating and pretty unhopeful. But then look up, bind up, right? Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. Okay, and this is where it gets good. Okay, bind up is a verb. It's to inspire with confidence. It's to give hope to, to encourage, to bandage, to dress by covering, to bind up. See, the Bible says in this world, you will have trouble. But what does it say after that? Somebody, fear not, for I have overcome the world. Fear not. So again, if it's that simple, if Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, I want to be bound up. So the next time the hammer hits, man, it's not as heavy as a blow. So if Jesus is the answer, then I want to know more. So what the Lord pointed to me was, is Craig, why don't you go look at some of the encounters that people had with Jesus? Because that might help me understand a little bit more. Again, maybe I'm just preaching to me, and this is how my brain works, but I want to understand some of the, some of the, some of the interactions that people had with Jesus that it might help me encourage my walk with the Lord. So how about John 4? Write this down if you're taking notes. Where Jesus meets the woman at the well. Pretty familiar story for those that have been around church for a while, right? So Jesus is wandering around. He shows up at a well. He has this interaction with this woman at the well. They have this little banter about, hey, Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And the woman goes, we don't have a cup, right? And then you go, well, you get a cup, I get a cup. That's my version of the Bible. But that's not about the interaction. It's what happens next that I find really interesting. So John 4.10 says this. If you knew, this is Jesus talking to the woman. If you knew the gift of God and who is it that asked you for a drink, you have asked him and he would have given you living water. Two things out of that verse that just jumped out of the page. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be reading scripture. I can read the same verse a lot of times, but different things at different points in my life come out to me. And so I keep reading, and this time, two things come out of me out of this verse. If you knew, and if you asked. If you knew, 
Jesus. And if you asked, streams of living water will flow from you. Thank you. Because that's true. I really love what Jesus says right after that. Because Jesus reveals himself to her. And I'm sitting, standing here, up here, and I'm just imploring you that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. So Jesus reveals himself to her. And then it says in verse, thing, in verse 13, that everyone who drinks of this water, the well, the world, everyone who tries to solve their problems by what the world has to offer, they will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that Jesus gives will not be thirsty. Instead, a spring of living water will well up. What a great encounter. I think Jesus is speaking to me and maybe he's speaking to some of you that oftentimes maybe we just need to have a encounter with Jesus. Maybe we need to really know Jesus and maybe we need to ask Jesus. Because Jesus' whole plan, Jesus is in the business of trying to put us back together correctly. Right? And so he wants to put us back together. And I think he's just encouraging us to spend time with him. He's encouraging us to put more glue in the gun. He's encouraging us. <laughs> to use him as glue. That's good, man. That'll preach for sure. He's encouraging us to have an encounter. Because God's in the business of putting us back together. Not that we, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we're all falling apart. We're all not all that. But God's in the business of making sure that we're whole. God's in the business of making sure what John 10.10 says, that I've come to give you life and give it to the full. But if we're running around all broken, then then it's hard to do that. The more you know, the more you glow. Well, it gets better. Don't worry. (laughs) What about this story? John 8. Pretty familiar story for a lot of us that have been around church for a long time. A lot of people like to preach on John 8. It's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Right? A lot of us know the story. Kind of a funny little story, right? That the Pharisees, the people that knew the law, right? Know the law. They bring this woman that's caught in adultery to Jesus. Okay? Which is funny because what are they doing to catch this woman in adultery? But that's another issue for another day. Okay, they bring this woman to Jesus and say, what say you? Because the law says that this, we should stone her to death. We should stone her to death. Well, this is not a message about recognizing other people's sin because we're so good at recognizing other people's sin, okay? Just like the Pharisees, don't think that we are excluded from that bunch of people. Right? Death then was death by stoning. Death today is death by posting. True. Come on, that was funny. Yeah. But the, I, what the encounter is what I want to focus on. Because I think it's a really good counter. Remember, the more you know, the more you glow. 
So the encounter was really, really great that they had. So then Jesus brings them, brings, or the Pharisees bring the woman to Jesus, right? He bends down. We all know the story, or a lot of us know the story. He bends down, writes in the sand, okay? Big discussion about what he wrote, but that's not what this is about. I encourage you to study it, okay? And, but he, he makes this statement. He who is without sin can cast the first stone. And so one by one, all of the people around, they drop their rocks and they walk away. Again, another message for another time about how we are not the judge or the jury, right? We have no place in judging somebody else. Not what this message is about, but I love the next statement that he says to the woman. He says this, and maybe he's speaking to a lot of us today. A lot of us, especially young people today. He says, who has condemned you? Then neither do I. Yes. Because I think a lot of us, man, are struggling with the shame and the guilt, right? Maybe it's just me. It's very cyclical. You do bad. You feel really bad. And then you promise God you'll never do it again. And then you do it again. (laughs) And then you promise God you'll never do it again. But Jesus is sitting there and he's going, I don't condemn you. I died on the cross one time for all the world's sin. I'm not going to do it again. Maybe some of us need to transform our thinking. Maybe some of us need to go to Romans 8, chapter 1. Romans 8, verse 1, where it says this, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that deserves an amen. That deserves our, our, our brain to just switch from being guilty to being free. Christ came to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. If you're curious why the therefore is there, I would really would encourage you, you really just shouldn't read Romans 8, 1, because it says therefore. You want to know why it says therefore? Back up and read the last half of Romans 7, and it's just a really great discussion about what Christ has done for us. I would encourage you to read it. Therefore, there is no now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Some of us just need to be transformed in our thinking and get out of the guilt complex into the love complex. Get out of the, I'm going to not try to sin into, I'm just going to want to be with Jesus more. It's a completely different mindset. The more you know, the more you glow. See, every encounter of Jesus, I believe, heals part of our broken heart. What about the story of this one? The story of Thomas. Do you guys remember Thomas? What's he known for? What's his name? Doubting Thomas, right? Everybody knows. You say Thomas, he's the disciple that doubted Jesus. So Thomas spent a lot of years... with the disciples pre-cross, and so he hung out with Jesus, he knew Jesus, he knew what it was 
Then Jesus dies on the cross, gets resurrected, and he appears to his other disciples. So the other disciples go to Thomas and said, we have seen the risen Lord. And Thomas goes, this, in 20, John 20, verse 24. Unless I seal the na- see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. I've read that story, I don't know how many times, and thinking, Thomas, how can you be so blind? But then I really have to dig deep into my own heart and ask myself the question, have you ever doubted? Have you ever asked the question, I won't believe until this? I won't believe until I see a miracle. I won't believe until I can do a miracle. I won't believe until this healing happens in the person I've been praying for for a long time. I'm having trouble believing until this. If you can fill in the until this part, then you're just like Thomas. I'm just like Thomas. Man, I got to tell you this. When my first son was born and we were in the NICU for a lot of months, four to be exact, I can't tell you how many times spiritually I struggled with doubt. I don't know if there was a day that went by that I didn't pray for healing. And healing didn't happen. Well, at least not the way that I wanted it to happen. But I'm doubted that. And it just caused me to, to just spin. And, 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 and you know what doubt does? It just creates more doubt. It's like a tornado, right? It likes to engulf everything in its path. And it just keeps going. So I find this story really interesting. I know in my own life, and this, this, that happened 22 years ago for me. But over the course of all of those years, there's a lot that I've been praying for that hasn't happened. And again, that doubt creeps in. And so I always have to catch myself. And if I can answer the question, I won't believe or I'm not going to take the next step until something, then I have to put my shoes where Thomas does. But again, if I just stay there, then it's kind of a miserable little story. But then Jesus has an encounter with Thomas. A really great encounter. And I'm asking, encouraging, wanting all of us, myself included, Jesus wants to just have an encounter with us. Where you're at. And he says this to Thomas. So he shows up into the room and he says, Thomas, touch my hands. Put your finger in my side. But then he says this which is just a really great message for me, maybe for some of you. He says, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to convince us that God is not doing anything. Jesus is telling us, stop doubting and believe. Then he goes on and he says this, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Blessed are those. 
Some more in my faith now where I'm growing into this, right? I'm growing into all of what we're talking about. I'm more in the fact that, that my trust is so much more than what's going on in the world today. Because if I place my faith in what's going on in the world today, it's really easy to go down the slippery slope of doubt. So I just want to believe and trust. See, the more you know, the more you glow. The more I'm convinced in my own life and in the lives of students, everybody, adults, it doesn't matter, that the more you have encounters with Jesus, the more you know him, the more you come to him, the more you ask him for all of the stuff that you need, the more you surrender your life to him and all the stuff, the more he is in the business of putting us back together. And we're back together. Oh, but it gets better. It gets better. Can you do me a huge favor? Grab me a Kleenex out of there before we have an incident up here. Excuse me. And then what about this story? What about this story? I've struggled with this story. Every time that I have preached or even studied the Bible, I've struggled with this story. This comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay? Sort of, a lot of people talk about this story. This is the story of Paul and the thorn in his side. Really great story. So it starts in verse 7. So 2 Corinthians 12 starts in verse 7. It reads this way. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. What do you do when God says no? Trust. What do you mean one of the most difficult things? Or maybe what do you do when you're praying and you hear nothing? Anybody? You hear nothing. I don't want to go into the details of this story because there's a lot of discussion about the thorn. What's the thorn? Is it an actual thorn? Is it, is it something? I mean, I read some commentary that it was, a, it was a problem in his eye. Right? I don't want to go into that kind of detail because that's not what's important today. Although it is important of how, what God has and what you have and you need to present it to God. I want to, you to know that Paul had something going on and it tormented him. It wasn't a minor inconvenience. It was, they used the word torment. That means it had to be significantly a problem. And Paul went to God and said, will you remove this thorn? And God said, basically, no. My grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
So that sounds good on the surface, but me, I could never really understand the complexity of my power who is made perfect in your weakness. So half the time that I do all these crazy illustrations that I do, it's for my mind to grasp what God is trying to tell me. And so maybe they're really more for me, but I think this one's really cool because I think this one gives me complete understanding of what it means is my power is made perfect in your weakness. So God puts us back together, right? Notice that we still have cracks, but we're together. We're pretty sound. And when you get to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses. I don't think Paul is trying to say, I'm going to glorify sin. I think what he's trying to say is, I'm going to glorify Jesus in my weakness. And I want his power to be displayed. So I'm going to turn off the lights here in a minute because I found this thing. I didn't find it. God gave it to me as a picture, right? As as a cool little um, illustration of what it really means to be made. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I've got to look under the curtain just to make sure. Oh, yeah, we're good. So, Jeremy, go ahead and hit the lights. So, when it says my power is made perfect in weakness, I really had to understand what was really going on. So, God is in the business of fixing all of our stuff and putting us back together. And the more encounters that we have, we get due to all of the stuff that we have. And then my power is made perfect in your weakness. So that is an image of me, of God's plan, is that he wants us to shine for him. See, he wants us, he wants us to trust in him so that his power shines through us, through the cracks, through our weakness. I think that's why it says that my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Go ahead and turn the lights on, Jeremy. And the more you know, the more you glow. Oh man, but it gets so much better. Because, I mean, the Bible is cool. I mean, I'm not saying that I read the Bible every day because I don't. But man, but when I do and I read it with a mind that says God wants to speak to you every day and I read it with an idea that God says, hey, I'm here and I want you and I read it with that context, it just comes flat alive. And so then God led me to Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to this. This is kind of a closing prayer, but I want you to go home with this. Ephesians chapter 1, 18 through 21. I pray also that the eyes of my heart, your heart, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power 
is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Folks, man, I want us all to understand what we have. We have the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's what it says. There's a song by Jeremy Camp. It's called Same Power. I want to encourage you to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again until you understand the power that you have. The power that you have. The power that you have is not a light bulb under a pot. The power that you have is the Holy Spirit in your heart. That should have been an amen from everybody. That's too late. It doesn't count. (laughs) Sure it counts. But that's what we have. That's what Ephesians says. Incomparably great power. Hmm. Worship team, come on up. Let me close this way. One of the greatest things that we do at retreat is, is, there's a lot that we do, but one of the, the best things that I remember and one of my favorite things to do is after, the, after we do every service, we have what's called a response time. And where we invite, doesn't matter if it's Friday night, Saturday, doesn't matter, we invite the kids to come forward. And whatever's going on in their life, we want kids to pray with each other. We want the youth pastors, the adult leaders, they pray with kids. It's just a really great time of ministry. Some retreats, it goes for 20 minutes. Some retreats, it goes for two hours. Then what happens after that response time? We just flat worship. Man, and I'm telling you, if you've never seen a bunch of high schoolers, middle schoolers, just worship, you're missing out. Because it's great. They're not worried about what the person next to them thinks. They're not worried about what, anything other than their relationship with God. So I'm offering that opportunity now as we close our service today. We do the same thing here. We offer a time of response for you to respond to what God's doing in your heart. Pretty sure there's a verse that says something that we all should come to Jesus like little kids. Yep. I think the translation is we all should come to Jesus like teenagers. Well, that's just my translation. So our response starts with communion. Our response starts with communion. And my prayer for all of us comes out of Romans 15, 13. So as you take communion today, think of Romans 15, 13, right? So because we take communion, I say all the time, if you're just taking communion because it's the thing to do in church, sit down. Don't take it. But if you're taking communion because that's what the Bible says, do this whenever in remembrance of what I did for you, take communion. Because then we're acknowledging what Jesus did for us. but it's better and it's more. So use communion as a starting point, a launching pad, if you will, to your response to him and use John or Romans 15, 13. And it says, this is my prayer as we close for all of us. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, use communion as your response. Man, if you need prayer, I would encourage you to find someone with a lanyard. Have um, go pray with them. Lee and I will be serving communion up here. There's uh, uh, wine and bread up here. There's self-serve communion at the crosses. If you have a prayer request and you would like the church staff or the pastors to pray with you, contact you, whatever, you can take uh, you can pin it to the cross. Pastor Bob and Gabe are, are extremely diligent about following through and praying and doing all that. We just want to offer an opportunity for you to respond. Because church is not really about us. Church is about giving glory to God because He deserves it. Worship is about giving glory to God because He's worthy of our worship. Regardless of how you came into the room today. But it's more, he wants you to also be fixed. Your cracks filled in with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. God, we just come. I say thanks, Jesus, because you're good. I say thanks because you're in the business of restoring us. I say thanks because you love us forgive us. You demonstrated that as you went to the cross willingly because you love us. Thanks for that. We just give you the glory and honor that is due your name now. As we take communion, we do this in remembrance of what you did for us. And then we worship and we praise the name of Jesus in this place. May you get the glory for all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.